So we've been, we've been talking about uh, resolute living. And so if you would, turn to uh, Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to just do a shotgun quick message here. Some of you are like, yeah, right. Um, no, I, I really am. I'm going to try uh, really hard to do it quick. Um, so uh, buckle your seatbelts because here we go. But uh, here's the beauty of resolute living. As we've been talking about it, there's these different elements of, number one, God is in control. Uh, number two, God's word is truth. What matters to God should always matter to me. Your character matters to God. Your relationships matter to God. Your identity matters to God. And the way you live matters to God. Now, the beauty of a mission trip, 10 days, is that you experience all of these things. In just that short amount of time, you'll experience every single one of these things, working together with other people. And, uh, and like you heard, a lot of times we think we go and we offer them lots. What we end up doing is we go and we get filled up. Uh, filled up in a, in a really amazing and powerful way. And, and, I, and I'm like Jesse, I, I feel like when I come back, I've been given way more than I gave away. And, uh, and that's an amazing feeling. I know somebody once said that we have to go away, get away from the noise of the West in order to hear the voice of God. And there's so much truth in that. Uh, the busyness of our life drowns out God speaking in our life. And sometimes getting away on a trip like this, getting out of your comfort zone and serving, uh, I, I believe God will speak to your heart and he will reveal these things to you. And many of you have experienced that. Um, in 26 years of being here, we have been taking teams all over the United States and all over the world in that 26 years, and I know hundreds, if not thousands of people that have been able to go on those trips tell me the same thing over and over again, God spoke to me there. God did a work in my life there. God is, is using that, that one trip, that one opportunity to change my life. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. And some of you are like, I I'll never get there. I'll never be able to do that. How, how can I, what is it that God wants me to do? What is it that God has me to do? Here's, here's the thing that as we look at Daniel's life and we see all these different things in Daniel and his friend's life, the last bit is so vital. And it's this, to live a resolute life, you must be willing to do something about it. You must be willing to do something about it. If you want to live resolute for the Lord, if you want to see these truths become reality in your life, then you must be willing to do something about it. Be used by God wherever it is that he has you. God has you in the place that he has you, not by accident, but on purpose. And maybe that's in the midst of heartache. Maybe that's in the midst of trial. Maybe that's in the, the midst of the fiery furnace or the lion's den. But God has you in that place because he wants to use you to do something about it, to tell others the good news of Jesus. Because this world needs to know Jesus. The only thing that's going to transform this world is Jesus. Not all the money we send, not all the checks that we write, not all the stuff that we give away. Yes, that may help, but the thing that will transform a person's life is Jesus Christ. And that is for eternity. If all we do is give away money and all we do is give away stuff, then all we've done is put a band-aid on an artery that is blown open. And that is not going to work very long. 
All we've done is made people comfortable on this side of earth going to hell. That's not what we want to be about. There's no reason for that. Yes, give stuff away. Be philanthropist. Be a type of person that does something for someone else. But please, tell them about Jesus. Because if you don't tell them about Jesus, they'll be comfortable and go to hell. And that is not what we want to see happen. That's not what we want to see happen. That's why Jim and them, as a part of what they do, every single part is filtrated with the gospel. Whether it's a clinic, whether it's giving away stuff, whether it's BBS, whatever it is, every mission trip, it's about sharing Jesus. And all these little things are just bridges to help us do that. That's all it is. So as you guys give clothes, as you guys give stuff, as you guys do all that, it's amazing. Do it. Please continue to do that. As you buy coffee, as you drink coffee next door, know this. It's going to help people hear about Jesus. And what's your role? Your role is to be Jesus wherever you are. Be the church every day, everywhere, willing to do something about it. And realize this, that as you do, God will use you. God will use you to make a difference. I can only imagine Daniel and his friends as they're taken captive into Babylon thinking, what are we going to do here? How is God going to use us in this godless place? How is God going to use us to make a difference for him. They're teenagers. They're teenagers when they're taken into captivity and they make a vow. They say, we will not say yes to sin. We'll say yes to God. And they live that out in their lives. And we get to see how that plays out. Check out Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter three. And this is, this is again, Michelle, Azariah, and, and, uh, and again, uh, these these Hananiah, as they are um, in these situations, and they're and they're living for God, and Nebuchadnezzar has set up this this image that everybody is supposed to bow down and worship, and they're like, this is not, we're not doing it. This is against God. This violates who God is. We're not doing it. And I love I love this. Check out uh, it, it is in verse uh, fifteen. So Daniel chapter three, verse fifteen. They're they're. Standing before Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar says this, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And look at this. Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking. These three young men stand before him and say, we're not going to worship your God. We're not going to do it. So what happens? Nebuchadnezzar is a man of his word. He throws them into the furnace. They're in the furnace. Check out verse 24. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? I always love the sarcasm here because it's so funny to me. Like, what else are they going to say? So they answer and said, true, O king. They're they're not going to say to Nebuchadnezzar, you're a liar. Uh, No, they're not going to do that or make him feel like an idiot. No, No, they say, yes, that's true. We put three in. So check out verse 25. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace, the fiery furnace, and he declared 
Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, remember that's their Babylonian names. Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out from the fire, and they can see that there is no evidence of fire on them. No smell of fire. No singed clothes. No singed hairs. Have you ever had, like, been close to a campfire? Or gone into, in the old days, y'all, your older people went into a bowling alley. You see y'all laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You walk out, you smell like a cigarette. You know what I'm saying? Or you're at a campfire and you smell like you've got fire on you. These guys didn't even smell like there was fire on them. There was no, that is, blows me away. Blows me away. So what happens? Nebuchadnezzar answers verse 28. It says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wow. And then he goes on verse, in chapter 4, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all, all the people, nations, languages, dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. It, was, it has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the most, remember what he said earlier? What God will be able to save you from my hand? Now what he's saying, that the most high God has done for me. This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, his dominion endures from generation to generation. So he went from what God is going to save you to Wow, the Most High God is awesome, baby. He is amazing. How'd that happen? Three young men. Three young men that said, I will be Jesus. I will be God to this man. I will show him love. I will respect him. We will obey God before man. We will do what God has called us to do. And they make a difference in Nebuchadnezzar's life. They change the heart of a king. Look at verse 34, same chapter, chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar's at the end of his days. He lifts up his eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed, look at this, I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounting as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can say in his hand or say to him, what have you done? Wow. These three young men made a difference in the heart of a king, and they're not alone because Daniel also does the same, very, very similar type of thing, except we have a lion's den. And it's a different king because the Medes and the Persians have come in and they've taken over Babylon. Babylon is no more, and now we have the Medes and the Persians, and Darius is now king. And if you look at chapter 6, chapter 6, we have these men who are jealous of the relationship that Daniel has with the king. They're jealous of Daniel in his life. And they want to be rid of Daniel because he's living for God in a godless society, in a godless world. And so they're wanting to get rid of him. And listen to what they say, verse 5. Daniel 6, verse 5. These men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel. Look at this. Unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. 
What are they saying? They're saying we cannot take this guy down unless we try to set up something that, that goes against his God. Against Yahweh, against Jehovah. So what do they do? They set up a decree, a decree that no one can worship or pray to anyone except for the gods of the Medes and Persians. Aha! We've got you, Daniel. You know why they thought they had Daniel? Because Daniel was a man who prayed to God. And guess what? Check out verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to, this is, the document's been signed. This creed has been made. He knows it. He goes to his house where he had opened his windows in the upper chamber toward Jerusalem, got down on his knees three times a day, prayed, gave thanks before his God, notice that uppercase G God there, as he had done previously. We got you, Daniel, because we know you won't stop praying to God. What an amazing testimony. What an incredible testimony of this young man. He's going to continue to pray no matter what we do. So because it was a decree made in the Medes and Persians, it could not be broken. The king could not even break it. The king could not even break it. Look at verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. Now, listen to what the king says about Daniel. And think about your own life. Is this the kind of testimony that you have with people? Do people know this about you? Look what, look what Darius says about Daniel. May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. Wow. What an incredible testimony. What, how does he have this testimony? Because he's chosen to live for God and not for men. He's chosen to say yes to God. I'm going to be resolved to live for God. I'm going to say yes to God, and I'm not going to fall into the temptation and sin. And Darius sees it, and he's like, may the God, your God, whom you serve continually. I love that. Whom you serve continually. May he deliver you. He's thrown in the lion's den. Notice this, verse 19. At break of day, the king arose, and he went in haste. In other words, he ran. He ran to the den of lions. As he came near to the den of lions, he called out to Daniel in anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Kids, those of you that know the story of Daniel and the lion's den, was Daniel alive? Yes, he was. He was alive, and he came out of that. They pulled him out of that, and I love what, again, this is a, this is Darius, Verse 28, verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse 25. I should have worn my glasses, sorry. I gotta start doing that. King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages. That sounds familiar. Wrote to all of them, 
who dwell on the earth, he said, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the ends. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Wow! Daniel made a difference in, a, in this king's life. What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do in your life right now? You're to live as a missionary of the King of Kings, of the Lord of Lords. You're to live as an ambassador, a representative of Jesus Christ to everyone you come in contact with. Everyone you come in contact with. That doesn't mean you just get on a mission trip and you go to Honduras or you go to wherever. But you're a missionary every single day. You're a missionary every single day. How many kids are in here? Raise your hand. Wave them around like you just don't care. Wave them around. Come on, kids. All right, I want to hear you kids. I want you to say, I'm a missionary. Say it. I'm a missionary. Say it again. Yes. All right, how many of you teenagers? I know you guys. You guys, first service, really intimidated. It's like, I'm a, I'm a teenager. Um, all right, raise it up, teenagers. Come on. Get it up there. I want you to say it. I'm a missionary. Here we go. Say it. Okay, a little weaker, but that's because you got, you know, not as many of you in here. All right. You adults, come on. You guys going to outdo these kids? Let's go, adults. I'm a missionary. Say it again. I'm a missionary. You are. Every single one of you are a missionary. If you know Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you, my friend, are a missionary to the place that God has placed you. No matter where that's at, no matter where you go, no matter who you're in contact with, you're a missionary. You're a missionary to your family. You're a missionary to your neighborhood. You're a missionary even right here in this church. You're a missionary in the community. You're a missionary everywhere you go. God has called you to go and make disciples. It is not the great option. It is not the great opinion. It is the great commission that God has given to every single one of us who claim to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we are to go and make disciples. Not of yourself, disciples of Jesus. Because there is no one else that we need to be like than Jesus. I don't want to be like Mike. I want to be like Jesus. The older people are like, oh, okay, I know what he's talking about. Michael Jordan, all right? Michael Jordan's who I'm talking about. Some of you kids are like, oh, I've heard that name somewhere. Go and be a missionary. Go and be a missionary. As soon as you leave these doors, you are a missionary to our world in which we live. And honestly, you're a missionary right here. There's people sitting around you that don't know Jesus, and they need to know their love. They need to know they're cared for. You need to reach out to somebody. I don't care how uncomfortable you get. Stop giving me this. this I, I hate the excuses of, well, I'm an introvert and I don't like people. Too bad. Get over it. Get uncomfortable for Jesus. Get uncomfortable. I'm not saying you got to go up to every single person in this building and be like, hey, hi, 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 hi. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying choose somebody. If God leads you to somebody, go be a missionary to them and say, you know what, hi, how you doing? My name is whatever, your name is whatever. Hi, it's great to meet you. Hi, it's great. Good. Awesome. Let's have coffee sometime. I don't know, whatever. 
Be a missionary. You are a missionary. Let's say it all together. Here I am. I am a missionary. Let's go. One, two, three. You're a missionary. Are you? Are you? I want you to just close your eyes, bow your head, and I want you to think about that. Earlier I asked you, I asked you a question. I said, would you be willing to ask God to speak to your heart? You prayed. You may have prayed and said, God, speak to my heart. I want to follow that up with just this. What did he say? I don't, you don't need to say it out loud. Just in your heart, in your mind. What did he say to you today? And then I want to follow up with this challenge. Who are you going to share that with? It is not enough for you to keep it inside. You must share it with someone. Please go tell someone. Someone you know needs to hear about Jesus. My friend, I don't care if you're a kid, teenager, or adult. You are a missionary that God intends to use to make a difference in this world. Yes, he would love to see you go on a trip. But some of y'all, I know because of your own physical whatever is going on, you just there's no way possible that you can, but you're doing everything you can to help other people go. Listen, you're a missionary here now, right in here, the Sauk Valley. You don't need to go outside the Sauk Valley to be a missionary. Do I encourage you to go on a trip? Absolutely. But you go on a trip every single day to the Sauk Valley. You're a missionary wherever you go. And you know what my daddy used to always say, son, you may be the only Jesus some people ever see. And then he would always follow it up with this. What kind of Jesus are you showing them today? Because guess what? Acts 1.8 says very clearly, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. My friend, whether you like it or not, you are demonstrating a Jesus to people around you. What Jesus are you showing them? You say, I, I don't even know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. Well, you know what? You're in the best place possible to make that decision. Right here, right now. You can, right here, right now, ask Jesus to forgive you your sin and to begin a relationship with Jesus. It's not a bunch of magic words. It's just opening up your heart to God. If you're here and you say you know Jesus, okay, are you living for him? Are you being a missionary for him wherever you're going? Do people even know that you know Jesus? I used to always say it to the teenagers when I was a youth pastor, if you were to be thrown in prison because of your faith, would there be enough evidence to keep you there? Would there be enough evidence, if you were thrown in jail because you're a follower of Jesus, would there be enough evidence in your life, not to get you off, but to keep you there? I can see the outer person. You can see the outer person. God sees our heart. God sees our heart. Have you decided to follow Jesus? That's what we're about to sing. God, thanks that you know our hearts. Thanks for your love. Take this time, use it for your glory. In your honor, Jesus.